0: Connecting life and faith. This is Connections. One
1: of my favorite people in the whole world that I never, ever would have believed would do anything. Like my real favorite, you know, not a true uncle, but like a family friend uncle that I've spent years with and spent nights at the house with his daughter and a worship leader in a church, you know, and on the way to church is when it happened. And literally to see the, the like, just disconnect and evil in his eyes as he's touching me and you're frozen as a child. And then we get to church and he runs up, grabs his guitar, goes to the front of the stage, and I'm just standing there. And I think you realize, you know, over the years of working with others, you're just left mute and we're not teaching our children how to speak up.
2: And that's why today's guest has founded any ministry free with E to provide churches with training in preventing abuse, including best practices and safeguards, so no one is ever put in a vulnerable situation with an abusive church leader. We're joined today by Elizabeth Fisher Good. She's been working in the anti sex trafficking industry for more than 10 years as the CEO of the Foundation United. Today on Connections, she's going to share with us her own story of survival. She's going to share with us why this is so important to her and how we can start helping others in our lives. We're joined today by Elizabeth Fisher-Good. She's the founder and CEO of Foundation United. She's also the founder of a new ministry, Free With E. Elizabeth, can you tell us a little bit about the Foundation United, what it is and what you do? Foundation
1: United is a After 10 years of running an anti-sex trafficking organization, um, the Foundation United was the vision we had a decade ago that at one point we would launch the foundation to unite the best of the best around the country, around the globe, to take and scale the best practices that we've all learned, those with a non-competitive spirit that know that we could do exponentially more together. So that is what we're doing over there. And we have three different pillars of focus. And it's amazing. It's going all over the world with great solutions, like for children, K through 12, education, Prevention and training for healthcare and law enforcement, and then really um, helping to scale a couple of different housing models for more solutions and more beds.
3: You also mentioned free with E. Tell us a little bit more about that.
1: Free with E is a ministry arm that, over the last three decades, I'd say my twenties in corporate America showed me, you know, what's happening <laughs> out there that no one hides. <laughs> and then I was in leadership in a mega church in my thirties and saw the dysfunction of what lies behind the machine. And then mm-hmm. this last 10 years in anti-sex trafficking, sort of becoming a confessional of people telling me, you know, when I hear your survivors speak, I need to tell you what I've never told anyone or my daughter starting youth group. And I've, you know, I can't get past the anxiety because of what happened to me with my youth group leader that I've never told anyone and just the secrets. And so free with E is really about freedom and systemically looking at the church about really, really diving in there with something that's never been done before, but a K through 12, a young adults, a leadership, um, a, I wouldn't even call it a program. It's more of a way of life of teaching. You know, they say the average person carries 13 secrets at any given time and five of hmm. which they've ever breathed to any other living soul. I think that Jesus believes the local church is supposed to be right. That's the light of the world. We're supposed to be able to do anything. But if we're as hidden in the church as we are outside of the church, we're never going to be able to get after the big levers like sex trafficking or all abortion or all the different things that everybody doesn't speak about. But the stats are the same for those sitting in the church. So it's a freedom program. It's beautiful what we're doing over on the Free With These side.
0: Yeah, sex trafficking. And we often think like, well, it wouldn't happen to my family. Family sitting in a church pew, right, and same thing with abuse. But um, you mentioned, you know, you saw the dysfunction behind the scenes yourself of churches and stuff, and you're also a survivor yourself of abuse yeah. too, aren't you?
1: Yeah, and mine was at the hand of one of my favorite people in the whole world that I never ever would have believed <laughs> would do anything. Like wow. my little favorite, you know, not a true uncle, but like a family friend uncle that I spent years with and spent nights at the house with his daughter. And a worship leader in a church, you know, and on the way to church is when it happened. And literally to see the, the, like, just disconnect and evil in his eyes as he's touching me. And you're frozen as a child. And then we get to church and he runs up, grabs his guitar, goes to the front of the stage. And I'm just standing there. And wow. I think you realize, you know, over the years of working with others, you're just left mute. And we're not teaching our children how to speak up. So that's what we're bringing into the schools. And then in the Christian setting into the churches, like, how to have a voice, how the adults can have eyes to see, like people should have noticed. I never went back. That was the last summer I ever went to that spot. We never returned <laughs> nobody ever asked. And so it's just years of, you know, you, you can't heal on your own by pretending it didn't happen. So we're really bringing in tools because what we're looking at is if we can get ahead of it, like with sex trafficking, you know, safe housing is the most expensive thing in the world. And a child that's been abused at home, any zip code in any country Um, And keeps that secret and then reaches a point where she can't and she runs away or she's lured in or, you know, somebody knows that she's a good target, whether it's a youth pastor or outside a coach or someone she kind of knows our social media. They're typically once they're lured into the life sold 15 to 40 times a day. And it's typically for seven Mm -hmm. years. And so think about trying to restore a 19 year old that's been on the streets since she was seven. And prior to that, had no idea what love is. So we've just really, over the last decade, said we have got to get on the front end. It has to be prevention. We have got to start normalizing these conversations and speaking about the unspeakable so that children have a way out when they're three, four, five, six, seven, and it ends then versus 17, 18, 19, trying to restore everything that was stolen.
3: It's funny you say that. I've been through a similar situation. Like you mentioned, I was about six or seven years old. Again, someone you trust. Um, somebody you wouldn't believe is doing this kind of abuse, and that the feelings that you hold inside for years because you're a kid and don't understand what's going on—it's—it's it's unbelievable, uh, and how that can destroy your life moving forward if we don't talk about it.
1: Right, right. It's what is unsaid that actually destroys us, and I think it's one of the few things in the world that it's an act, a sin done to us, but we carry the shame, you know, so Mm -hmm. we don't give a voice, we take it on. And it's so opposite. I mean, the enemy really knew what the heck he was doing, going after sexual sin like that, because it's sin against us, but we carry the burden and hold the secret. Hmm. It's our fault.
0: How how do you feel churches have typically done handling when abuse does come out within a church setting. It's from what I've seen, just covering news stories and stuff. It -hmm. seems like churches, typically we try and hide it. Is that accurate? And and why do you think that is?
1: Well, that's the passion behind what we're doing with Real Talk, because yes, I think there's so much fear, even if it's a wife hiding the fact that she knows her husband is doing something because she wants to cover for him. He has a platform. We know as wives when something is awry, you know, we do know. But we're, we're so groomed to keep that image going. And then I think in church, it's almost like we get calls from churches and they're saying, oh no, the 19 year old youth pastor slept with an 11 year old girl. Nobody's wow. doing anything about it. And, you know, it's just, I think, depending on how systemic, you know, if, if you have a senior leadership team or a senior pastor that um, maybe is struggling, they say the, the stats of pornography or it's not just porn, not looking or glancing at porn every once in a while, well, but sexual addiction is 50% of pastors, 50 to 58% is the stat, the recent stat with focus on the family. So if you have leadership that has their own, when you're walking in an addiction, that means you're walking in blind spots. So if someone's reporting something to you, or if you're seeing something, but you're so busy in your own secrets, you don't have the ability to be an advocate in a healthy, true way. So that is like the passion area that we're coming after. Like, let's get you all healthy so you could really guard we don't even have the ability to guard our ministries if we have our own blind spots, because we're too busy worrying about what people are going to see in us. And so that's why I think a lot of stuff goes unreported, because there's fear of what will happen or, oh, no, it can't be that bad. I'm sure the kid made it up. And then the stat with that is they say only 4% of allegations are ever false.
3: And we're hearing more and more situations like this in the church and with people that are in the spotlight. I know. Where do we even start? It's something that's been going on for so long. And in some situations, it's been something that's going on for so long. So where do we start um, to get a hold on this?
1: You know, the thing that I'm excited about, because, you know, I grew up in the was Pentecost, I, I was my mom's family was Pentecostal holiness. So I with that stream of total charismatic Pentecostal. I grew up at home, though, during the rest of the year, Southern Baptist, that I went to Willow Creek forever. And that was, you know, where's my mm. Phil Highballs? He was the best.
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
1: the first book I ever taught small group was who you are when no one's looking. But um, it's just amazing to me, because I think that the where we begin is, what we are we sort of open our program talking about why are the platforms so high? You know, and then you have, you know, so many of people in leadership either have this high platform, it's become sort of fame and all this jazz going along with it, like performance and show, or we have somebody that's trying to turn our curriculum into um being um getting the approval of the Catholic Church, where you know there's just you don't know, question authority and that's just that and it just gets you know turned away. So if we could get into these places and as we speak to the different pastors, as we're rolling out this pilot of it, you know, for example, in New York, you know, with Hillsong and the things happening both in Australia and in New York where the lead pastor had to step down, the bigger thing is not, it's not about shame or, oh, oh, what a moral failure, but rather do you know how many 20 somethings early thirties for going to that church and maybe just getting back into it and developing their own belief in God mm. and really believing it was true. And the platform was so high that when that fall happens, those kids are just like, Oh, that poor pastor, they're done. They're done with the hypocrisy. They're done with church. So many, my daughter lives in Manhattan and so many of her friends that attended there, they're just done with church. They're like, I've had it. It's all fake. It's all just show. And that pastor, like there's no, shame or condemnation, but rather we just need to become a church that gets back to the basic tenets, which are confession. You know, James 3, 6, confess your sins one to another. The prayer of a righteous man has authority to heal. We need healing. If you, exactly what you had said, if you keep your secrets, right, Colleen, Mm -hmm. you're not healed. And so, it's layer upon layer. When I had my abuse, then I, I drank too much so that I would not feel it. That's what all the girls in sex trafficking say. There was drugs on the toilet. I could take it in the morning or not, but why wouldn't I? And then you get, you know, I became promiscuous. I had all these different things that resulted abortion that you're covering and hiding and hiding but before you know it. I was like the perfect Christian girl that had 90 layers of secrets but I could still rock a platform because I knew how to talk. <laughs> you know? So I think there lies the problem. Um, so normalizing the layers beneath and, and making it okay to talk about, you know, many of these people might've been abused or they were addicted to porn and they're not speaking about it or who even knows, but an affair is never just the, oops, how did that happen? Didn't see that coming. It's built upon layer upon layer and year after year. So I think having the church become the leader in these tough conversations is what has to happen.
0: I'm a Baptist. So like we have very congregational styles of leadership, right? And I'll admit as a young pastor, it used to drive me nuts because I've got to get approval for everything. I just want to run the show, right? But we actually see a lot of safety in that kind of style of leadership because uh, for lack of better term, like there's checks and balances within the congregation kind of and a lot of the scandals that come forward, we see that it's this top-down, more business style of leadership that got them into trouble in the first place.
1: Yes, 1,000%. I always say, you know what, left to yourself, you know, as a leader, I'm a super strong, most of us have very forceful, dynamic, powerful personalities. You can talk others into anything and usually talk yourself into anything. If you don't have that true checks and balances, which you know, I love that some denominations really do, but you know, we have the mega churches and the newer ones that it's different. You know, I remember Bill, I had tons of friends that were elders, and there's just a strength and not an intimidation, but I guess this a feeling of awe, you know, there was such admiration on such a high level mm-hmm. that maybe you turn a blind eye. Um, there were things that in hindsight people could look to and say, hmm, you know, and, and I just think we we've learned to be quiet. As a, as a society, we've been groomed to be quiet. And you know, my book called Groomed sort of talks about that. It's like awakening and what are these messages and why have we come into agreement with them? Like, I just think it's time to disrupt a lot of our patterns of thinking if we want to really awaken the church.
0: So how do we start? Maybe, I guess, how do we begin if I'm listening and involved in a local congregation and I'm like, yeah, where do we begin? <laughs>
1: Well, I, I mean, the two ways that I'm partial to would be if you're part of a church, go to freewithe.com and there's a church consulting tab and let's start the conversations. Let's get your leadership team together and let's, let's start rolling this out and, and starting with it. You know, some people are like calling, they're all over it. Others are like, oh no, we're good. <laughs> and so it, it's, it's just another layer of accountability and teaching and helping people stay open. And then if you have a child, and if you are worried, because the other thing is one out of nine kids on social media now, there's over half a million predators. So it's completely Mm. different. It's not like, oh, just don't go to the mall and talk to that guy. These kids are getting groomed starting at 11 years old, seven years old on social media, and they don't even know what's happening to them. And before they know it, they're down a rabbit hole. So we have such great um, prevention curriculum there as well. They have You know, if anybody's at a high level of leadership in a school, we have the Speak Up program, and that's at the foundationunited.org. I would just contact either website, and we will get you everything you need, because there are some shields of protection to just start putting in place, because it begins with stepping into the uncomfortable. It begins with saying, we don't even know what we don't know. Because I could tell you, I've been doing this for 12 years, and I'm so grateful my son just turned 18, my youngest, because I'm like, dear Lord, I'm out. This is so hard. (laughs) (laughs) The apps are horrific. They vanish. I mean, everything should be illegal. And that's why there's organizations (laughs) like Nicosi in America that's fighting to shut down. You know, they're a policy organization and they're trying to get ahead of Snapchat, TikTok, because things that happen on there, anything can be said to a child. They could send photos and then they just vanish and there's no trace of it. And it's just a horrific thing that we've allowed. It's like evil is pervasive. So but it starts with education. We have another program on the Foundation United website called the Cool Ant Series. And she was raised in a beautiful Christian home. Her dad was a deacon, Pasadena, California. No indicators, but she went to college. and just like a tribal chief that I heard speak once when I was at the White House for a small little gathering, they said, our problem was we made our kids' world too small. They were so sheltered, they didn't know, we thought no way would they ever they love us. They love God, they know they're loved, but it takes one smooth talking guy. Whether online or at college, you know, if you manage to protect your child. And this guy just said to her, man, you're gorgeous. And he had a recruiter, a woman that she's like, oh, I wanted to look like this woman. She was gorgeous. And literally said, we could get you a modeling contract. And within days, she turned over her social security card, her driver's license, her entire identity. And that, you know, Rachel Thomas was in the life for two years. And then she was so ashamed when she finally got out of it because she's thinking, how in the world did this happen to me? And there's like, think about our shame, Colleen, with some sexual abuse, but sex trafficking for two years being sold that often. So she said nothing. She just couldn't deal with it, didn't process it. And then years later, she was watching her niece all of a sudden start showing the signs. And she's like, what have I done by not speaking up and talking? So she created a curriculum called the Cool Ant Series. And she's like the cool auntie. And so that's on our website, too, that you can download. There's just so many tools. And it's, it's honestly, it's textbooks. So I don't think, you know, Mike, when you're like, where do we begin? I don't think that it's that hard. I think we just begin. I think people avoid it because they think it's too big, but it's like, you know, how do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. You just got to start <laughs> and you get in there and you you bring up these conversations and you normalize these conversations and then everything changes. We have to change the paradigm of, you know, I, I'll speak to some pastors and they'll like have their fingers in their ears. I'm like, what are you doing? They're like, well, oh, this is just really uncomfortable. I don't know how we're to do that.
0: Exactly, like, right? Oh,
1: Lord, you're the church.
0: <laughs> well, and we've actually come across that before. Like I've mentioned pornography on air on a show before, right? And I'll get complaints like yeah. you're a Christian station. I've got my kids in the car. What are you doing? And I'm just yeah. like, you should be thanking me because now you've started the conversation with your kids. And guess what? If they're six or seven years old, they might already well be aware of these things. So the sooner you start these conversations, the better off you're both going to be.
1: 1,000%. You know, when I started 11, 12 years ago, they used to say the average age of addiction to porn or exposure was 12. Now it's eight. Now wow. we have research that talks about how our neural pathways are being redone, it changes your ability for intimacy. And, you know, that's why you have all these failed marriages. And that's why these adults are like, don't mm-hmm. talk about it. Cause that, you know, who knows if that's the mother that her husband has the problem. And she's like, don't talk about it. I don't, <laughs> to talk about it. Yeah. you know, we know as women what's happening around us and eyes wide shut has become the norm. But I think giving it language and talking about it, there, there's, um, I don't know if you guys heard this article. It was this little girl and it was called Sweet 16 and Never Been Kissed. And she went on to say, because the porn, like, not to get you guys in trouble again, but like when I grew up, <laughs> I'm older, I'm 50, 52. The Playboy was like airbrushed. They do, they say research says now that the equivalent of what we had in my generation is like the cover of Cosmo magazine. Like everything has just all been amped up. So what is normalized today is so far beyond. And the online stuff is defiling and it's degrading and it's abusive. And a kid just just pulls up. You know, parents don't know these things come preset to explicit, and a kid could pull up crazy stuff at age five. And that's, what's getting imprinted in their brains. And so this little girl said, I have been asked, boys have shown me their phones and say, will you do this with me? Will you do that with me? She said, so I have been used for sex many times. She said, but I'm sweet 16 and still waiting for my first kiss. Wow.
3: It's, um, it's sad when you listen to everything, it's terrifying, but like you said, it's as simple as starting that conversation. And not being afraid to talk about it.
1: That's it. I mean, you just have to normalize it. My little guy used to go one summer. He had to go to all my meetings with me <laughs> and around the country <laughs> during the school year. He'd come home. was like, mom, I'm good. And he'd be like, pat his butt. He's like, didn't get raped today. All good. <laughs> I'm like, She's not funny. You know, but it was so normal. It was ridiculous because the kid grew up in it. And I think kids appreciate it if we just keep it, you know keep it out there because no one's protecting them. And if we're not teaching them, they're learning from the kid on the bus, which who knows what the heck he's living in and what he's learning. So we have to take our position, especially as the church, we should be leading all of this. It was designed by God. It's a beautiful thing if it was done right, but it's being stolen from gosh, eight, nine, 10 years old. We're losing what we were designed for, for intimacy.
3: It's unbelievable. You need to start young. I know even my situation, I was six, six or seven years old, you have absolutely, absolutely no clue what's going on. So this is great for people who have either been through a situation like yours, like myself, I want to learn more about this, want to improve what's going on in their church. How can they go about
1: doing that? Absolutely. I would have them go to freewithe.com and just contact us. We will share everything. Or if it's easier for you to remember the FoundationUnited.org, no matter what you do, we will bubble wrap you, give you next steps. <laughs> <give> you- <laughs> if you need healing, we have the most amazing people that do deep inner healing because it's not just, you know, I'm a master's level therapist and and you could talk about things, but sometimes talking about them over and over without just having the Holy Spirit remove them, you're not getting the healing. And I think that true level of healing, so if someone just needs a resource. They're like, I've carried this around long enough. I'm ready to be done with it just reach out to me i will personally connect you and make sure you have somebody to walk you through to the other side of healing because also that robs us of our purpose and where we're called to go if we're living under something and there's just even if it's 10 percent of us that's hidden and doesn't show up every day that 10 percent makes us complete and that is our whole purpose that god made us to be and the enemy's working hard to steal and keep parts of us back so we have beautiful solutions whatever if something is stirring in someone and then their their heart's beating fast or their stomach's like oh geez just reach out send an email we will get in touch with you and help you
3: thank you for being vulnerable for sharing your story and for starting this conversation yes thank
1: you thank you guys so much
2: And thank you so much for joining us today and for listening. Remember, if you want to listen to this full conversation again or to any of the other conversations that we've had here on Connections, you can do that by checking out our podcast, Connections with Mike Tom and Colleen Hood. You can find that at podcastville.ca or wherever else you get your favorite podcast from. Don't forget to subscribe. We'll talk to you again on Connections.